Oh shit. Oh yeah. It's gonna be party time while Tommy's gone. Man, what is Tommy doing that he's not here? So uh why is uh what happened with Tommy? Tune in to next next week's episode to find out why Tommy was not here. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. All right, welcome to Last Man's Opinion. This is Roland Varielli stepping in for Tommy McGrail, who's on a family vacation. Uh, alongside me this evening, we have Rich Cakel and Daniel Mara. What? what? <clears throat> so I have a beer today. Wow. Yeah. Not a cider or something? Or No, actually, this is the first time sparkling I'm ginger ale. Uh, drink this type of beer. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yep. It's a chocolate chocolate beer. Whoa, Dan. I know, I know. It's a chocolate peanut butter. Oh, oh this is the this is the one you talked about last week, right? Dan. Yeah, yeah, and I drank the other one instead. Got nice. Some, got some big shoes to fill. Yeah, I don't have high expectations, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. I don't know what we're can't talking tell if about I like today. This or not. I can't tell if I like this beer or not. We'll see. I got a beer called Laser Snake, so it better be good. That's a good name. It's half wow. the battle. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's out of three points, nice too. We should go there if you guys come visit again. Where? It's uh, Three Floyds Brewery. It's like a heavy metal brewery in uh, Indiana. It's like 20 minutes away. And it's usually ranked like pretty well nationally. Every, the beers sell out like within an hour of them opening usually like they have cases for sale it's crazy these breweries man do yeah. they have do they distribute um yeah in like the midwest i don't know if you can get it in like new york i haven't seen it there it has like this um candy stripe kind of top like a swirl candy stripe hmm. i'll post it to the chat the name, the name of the beer reminds me of that. last night. I was uh, continuing my Marvel movie watching. Oh yeah, yeah. And I what watched, uh, I watched Guardians two, and it has the guy named Taserface. Face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta say, the first time I watched this movie, I really didn't enjoy it, but I kind of enjoyed it the second time around. Uh, Guardians two. Yeah. Yeah, it, I still don't think it's as good as the first one, though. Oh, no, it's definitely not even close, but I, I didn't really like it at all the first time I watched it. Yeah, it's good. It It's a little, I don't know, it's a little for The storyline isn't as, it's kind of weird to me. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely different, but uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it this time through. It was good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I like it, and I like the characters in, in Guardians. They have some pretty good... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's probably my favorite uh, characters out of all the out of the franchise. I think out of the Marvel franchise that that we've had, top to bottom that that we've had from you know in the movies. You know, Cap- Captain America is obviously my uh, least favorite. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little tough to take. Um, All the Guardians are pretty likable, though. I haven't seen the movies, but like in their cameos. They you haven't seen the movies? Nope. 
What? Uh, yeah, Guardians 1 you should definitely check out. It's really good. And uh, what's his face? Um, main character, what the hell's his name? Chris right. Pratt. Yeah. Oh, Chris yeah. Pratt. Uh, he's great, I, I think, in, in both of them. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess it's pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to think what are some of the other ones that are uh, um, really good. I really like uh, Doctor Strange. I feel like that's the most underrated of the oh, Marvel movies. I'll agree with you there. Definitely the most underrated by far. Because I think it's actually really, really good. It is. And I never, people never talk about it. They always talk about Iron Man or Captain America. I mean, Captain America probably had the... My, I mean, uh, Winter Soldier is really great. Although, apparently you don't like that one as much, which is... Yeah, I've only, I've only seen it once. I just dislike Captain America. So, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. Me neither, but Witch Soldier I thought was really good. Did you see it? Black- was, it was easily the best Captain America oh, by easily, far. Easily. Did you see Black Panther? Um, yes. I'm see- coming up on the second watch of that though. Did you like it? Yeah, I enjoyed it definitely. Yeah, that one not as not as much as Guardians. Guardians was my favorite by far. Really? Both of them or just the, the first, first one? First one. I think I taste it. Oh, I don't hate it, so I guess that's a good sign. I'm you want to start off with beer reviews? Now that it's fresh in your fresh in your mouth? Sure, let's do it. I'm, I'm usually like done with my beer by the time we have beer reviews. Yeah, I'm usually pretty close as well. Not usually done, but on the uh, tail end of it. All right, Dan, what kind of beer do you have tonight? <laughs> uh, I have, it's called uh, Purple Monkey Dishwasher Chocolate Peanut Butter Porter. Um, and it's by the Evil Genius Beer Company. I think you kind of have to be for that and name. And it is pretty good. Uh, I've taken a couple sips so far. All right, what's the color look like? Let's see, what's the color? Uh, it's kind of a brownish uh, color, I would say. It's uh uh, it's uh, 6.7% um, alcohol. I'd say it's probably more like a dark brown, actually, if I uh, if I have to say that. It's, uh, Did you say it was a porter? Supposed to be. Yeah, it's a porter, yeah. 35 IBUs, if you care about that. Ooh. Um, it's, it's actually pretty good. Uh, um, it's... I don't know. I, I, you taste a little bit of the chocolate and the peanut butter. It's not overpowering. I wish it was a little stronger. Like you taste it initially and then it, it fades pretty quickly. There's no like mm. aftertaste. That's kind of weird though because a lot of those flavored beers have that stronger aftertaste, like especially with the peanut butter. Rich, when See, you had that I, peanut butter beer in Florida, was it like that with the peanut butter <clears throat> aftertaste? Yeah, it was more on the aftertaste. Yeah, it, it's it's so I would say... I mean, it's there. It's a little weaker than I was expecting. I, I actually taste the peanut butter more than the chocolate. The chocolate kind of, so it's supposed to obviously be chocolate peanut butter. The chocolate, I think, is kind of, tastes more like a little more burnt, I guess I would say. Huh. The peanut butter is a little stronger. It's not like, I don't know. I love chocolate peanut butter ice cream. It's probably my favorite ice cream. So Is it more like uh, a bittersweet chocolate? Hmm. No, just burnt? <laughs> I'm trying to yeah, save the burnt. beer here a little. <laughs> just burnt. Yeah, it's not. 
it, it's good. Like I said, I taste the peanut butter more. If the chocolate was a little stronger, I think it would be uh, a little stronger, a little sweeter. It, it just like kind of complement it and bring it out. Yeah, the chocolate, the peanut butter kind of overpowers everything, and you really taste that, and the chocolate just kind of fades away instantly. I feel um, like peanut butter is hit or miss in a beer, though. I don't know if I've ever had like a great beer with peanut butter. Yeah, I I feel like I would like this more if it was just peanut butter. I feel like the chocolate kind of gives it a weird taste because the chocolate taste is so weak in it that it kind of distracts me from the peanut butter taste, which actually I think is pretty good. wonder if it'd be good in a beer cocktail, like if you mix that with the s'mores or something. Oh, it could be. It's, it's not bad. Uh, I would say... Uh, I'd rank it uh, six and a half out of ten. Wow, a normal scale from Dan. Yeah, yeah, we'll go normal. <laughs> this is a weird <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, All right, Rich. But yeah, I would. Sorry, I would. Yeah. I would no, say just keep going, Dan. You're good. No, no. I, to to, to in, in summation, I would say that uh, uh, like I haven't had I haven't had a lot of chocolate beers. Um, so I feel like this isn't uh, an ideal chocolate beer. The peanut butter piece of it is fine. If you want to taste something a little funky, this would probably be cool to try out, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as this is something you absolutely have to drink. Do you know if Southern Tier has any more chocolate beers? I'm sure they do, right? Um, Not my realm. Yeah, besides, uh, you know, they had the... Um... Thin Mint one, right? And Thick Mint, or... Is that Southern Tier? Well, they had the they they had the nitro s'more. Uh-huh. They they had the thick mints. They had a uh, Samoa one. Mm. Not allowed to have that. You haven't had that one. <laughs> I'll hate it. It's coconut. I got to try it in uh, twenty yeah. years. When's the calendar oh, reminder? Yeah. It's on my calendar for like two thousand twenty-two or something. Hopefully, we're still potting then. But hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully one can only hope. Yeah, they're they're my favorite brewery. So. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking I, on their I, website I, now. There's a creme brulee too. I haven't had that one. I just feel like everything they try to make it taste like, they do a pretty good job of coming close to that. That's what I'm saying. I think they're going to be one of the gold standards in like flavored beers. So that's why I was wondering, since Dan hasn't really had a chocolate beer before, if you can find a Southern Tier one, that's probably a good place to start. Right. Yeah, uh, I agree. yeah I'll try Southern Tier. I'll take a look and see. Because I've seen Southern Tier before. Uh, friends of the pod. <laughs> Big friends of the pod. Shout out to Southern Tier. <laughs> Southern Tier of the house. <laughs> where, are they, where are they brewed out of? Um, Do you know? It's the Southern Tier. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they are in Richard No. I'm pretty sure they're in New York somewhere, but I don't know where in New York. Probably the Southern Tier of New York. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't realize the Southern Tier is actually a section of New York. Lakewood, New York. Okay, I have no idea where that is. Oh, of course. Oh, it's like the bottom line of New York that divides it from Pennsylvania. More like the southern tier. Yeah, I, did, I, did, I didn't realize that uh, that that part of New York State had a had a had a name, or that there was anything in that part of New York State either. 
Oh, <laughs> that's far west. Boom. Yeah, that's that's in the far west corner. Did you say Pennsylvania? Yeah, I would say Canada would be a better bet there. Oh, it's all the way out that far? So I was just looking at Wikipedia. It's and the between, Southern Tier has that whole line. Uh, it's that whole between Erie line. and Buffalo. Oh, oh, well, it's by Buffalo. Yeah, that's Canada. All right, we got to get there. Oh, it's all the way by Buffalo. Jeez. Oh, that's a trip for get me. There, I don't Buffalo. think I can bike there. <laughs> Although Buffalo. it's not too far. It's maybe a 10-hour yeah, drive for me. It's not bad. It's probably a 10-hour drive for Rich, too. Yeah, it's equidistant. Let's have a pod there. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how long it would take me to get to Buffalo. Actually, uh, it's only six and a half hours for me. Oh, damn. Let's see. To Buffalo? I'll actually run the numbers wow. now. Wow. Have you been to Buffalo before? I went there with Tommy and Shaggy a few years ago. Or not a few years ago, like a 15 years ago. <laughs> Didn't you go to visit Katie? <laughs> Yeah, well, we went up there. We stayed at Katie's house one night, and then we went to Toronto for a night. And uh, we weren't there long. We I, we were like an, a night in each location. Seven and a half remember. hours for me. How many? Six. Seven, seven and a half. And uh, yeah. about six six fifty for me. Wow, we're all pretty pretty similar. <laughs> we should just meet at Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for our fiftieth uh, podcast or something. We'll go <laughs> Shuffle go off to Buffalo. Buffalo. I like actually, it. I, I went to Buffalo a number of years ago, too. It actually wasn't, I mean, it's been a while, so God knows what it's like now, but it actually was much more uh, lively than I expected it to be. Um, yeah, my friend like Sean's like from Buffalo. Street. Do you know Sean? He used to bartend at Dorney's. I know Rich knows him, probably. I don't think I do, no. I'm sure I know who you're talking about. Kind of taller guy, blonde hair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember him. He's from Buffalo, and I remember like a few years ago, I think he lives in Yonkers now. A few years ago, he went uh, back to Buffalo, and it was all like fancy restaurants, and he did like reviews of all these places and stuff. And I was like, this is Buffalo? Yeah. Real working in town. (laughs) Well, I I know somebody. So when I told uh, a former coworker of mine, I was like, oh, I'm going up to Buffalo. And she's like, ah, oh, Buffalo is terrible. She's like, when I went there, and she went obviously years and years before I went. And she's like, when I went there, uh, they would put, if you would go into a restaurant, and they would have like cardboard cutouts of people sitting at tables to make it look like there were actual ah. people in the restaurant. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that sounds awful. Uh, but then I went and and then I spoke to somebody who kind of went to college over there, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, they really built it up. And there's, like, this one strip where everybody goes on. There's restaurants and there's bars. And, and I went out. It was actually pretty good. I had a good time. So, Buffalo, friend of the pod, whole city. Yeah. All right. Thanks for following us, Buffalo. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Buffalo. Buffalo. We get a lot of hits, then. Hopefully, Buffalo follows us. I'll tweet at him. At Buffalo. All right, Rich, what are you drinking? I am drinking a, um, I believe I drank one of these pretty recently, a, another Sierra Nevada. Oh, uh, yeah, Sierra Nevada. But this week I got the Hop Bullet. Man, you're really uh, living on the edge here with these IPAs. Yeah, yeah this is supposed to be a double IPA, but it's um, pretty uh, pretty weak, which, you know, is good for me. I, you know, I'm not a big IPA person, so it's pretty easy drink really double ipa is an easy drink huh yeah i would say this is pretty a pretty light 
beer. I mean, it feels pretty like it's, I could see myself drinking this. Uh, nice barbecue beer. Yeah, what's nice the, uh, What's the ABV? 8%. Not bad. That's a good middle ground. Yeah. Do you know if it's like dry hopped or? Uh, I do not know. Because sometimes they'll do that to save on a little bit of money and it'll lower the alcohol, the double IPA. If you add the hops in during the brewing process twice, it takes a lot longer and it's more expensive. And the ABV goes like through the roof. That's when you hit like the double digit IPAs. So I always thought double IPAs were double digit, but they don't have to be, huh? No, it, it depends on the brewing process, I think. Huh. Now, our, because uh, I was out with somebody and he was looking for triple IPAs at this one yep. bar we were at. Uh-huh. Now, uh, this place didn't sell them, but like a triple IPA is just, they just do the process three times. Yeah, it can be, or they can do one of them dry hopped or. Um, uh, I, I had one on the podcast, probably the like sixth beer or seventh beer. It was the one that looked like Fruity Pebbles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was pretty good. Some of them aren't as high ABV as you'd think. Like, you'd assume it's just like 11 12% if it's yeah. like triple hopped IPA. But I think uh, some of them are like double IPAs, and then they'll dry hop it at the end to get like a really strong hop flavor without like jacking the ABV all the way up. So it'll gotcha. be like a more manageable, like 10 percent something gotcha. like that gotcha huh it's cool yeah no i'm impressed now with a lot of the different ipas that they're building they have like different kind of flavor profiles with the hops it's not as like single note as it used to be and i bet rich is probably feeling that a little bit with the yeah, recent I'm, ipas yeah i'm happy about that i feel like i'm finding more ipas that are uh, drinkable for me whereas in the past i feel like any ipa kind of was pretty similar in taste. Where yeah, they used to have that kind of like bittery pine kind of taste to them, like in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, now they're like more complex, like floral <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. That's funny. Yeah, that's that's funny because I actually would be on the rich bandwagon, but I for years could not drink IPAs, but I've had a few more recently that I'm like, oh, is this like they did not taste like the IPAs I used to drink, so. That's uh, good to know. So go out and support your local breweries. A lot of local breweries <laughs> are pushing like crazier flavors now. I've gone to whenever whenever I go travel like for work, I try to find a local brewery or like a local beer at least in a beer store. And a lot of them are really pushing the limits where before you used to have like we we're talking about these single note kind of beers. Like you had a lager that's a lager or an IPA that's an IPA. But now you have like mango habanero IPAs and stuff like that. So <laughs> Man, there's something for everyone now, I think. So right, I do Rich. like going to local breweries. Good job, Rich. What do you, what do you rank it? Yeah. How is it? Uh, it's one of my favorite IPAs, I'll say that. But it's still an IPA. Oh, damn. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll give it a 6.8 uh, out of 10. Wow. Wow. Wow, if you give that a 1.5 multiplier <laughs> due to the rich IPA factor, that's a pretty good ranking. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. And, you know, I got the 19-ounce uh, can. 19.2 ounce, sorry. 19.2. I think yeah. I've had, a, like, a big bottle of that from uh, the supermarket. 
What's the name yeah. of it again? Hops, Hop Torpedo or something? Uh, close, the Hop Bullet. Oh, maybe they have a Hop Torpedo too. They, I, they do, I'm pretty sure they do. Oh, I've had that one. That one was pretty good. Yeah, well, so I'm also we'll... drinking uh, some sort of pale ale. It says it's an in- Indiana pale ale. Because, uh, you know, breweries in Indiana here. But I have the Laser Snake. Laser Snake, I love it. I it's do like... uh, Indiana pale ale brewed with special Bavarian hops. And uh, I really love the bottles that come out of... It's a Three Floyds beer. The the bottles look like... Um, do you remember the old like Fleer Ultra cards when they had like X Men and stuff like that? Yeah, it like it looks like that. So it's the snake with lasers coming out of it, uh, and it looks like laser cannons. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. It sounds pretty awesome. Uh, the tagline is "It's not normal." So uh, yeah. it's a good. That's a weak tagline. Yeah, I know. I know. It did kind of land a little flat. Strong image, though. There's like some alien trying to run away from it, from its lasers. <laughs> All right, sounds fun. I mean, you know, the bottle cap, I like uh, everything you're talking about here, except the tagline, but it sounds like a fun beer. Yeah, let me post a picture of like the beer label in the chat, too, so you can see. Cool. But uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of this brewery. I've had a lot of other beers here. This is a lighter IPA. I don't know if it even has the ABV on here. I'd be surprised if it was like over 7%. Yeah, I can't see it anywhere. Oh, well. Oh, well. I do like going but, to uh, local breweries. There's so many more around now. It's like crazy. There's, I mean, it's not like, I don't know. I don't know where they used to be, but it's not like, like there's probably five really good breweries within like 20 minutes of my house. Which is... Yeah, and you have that other nationally ranked one, right? Yeah. Have you been nat- there yet? I have not, no. Treehouse. Well, it, it's so tough to get there and then to go on the weekends. It's kind of, it's a little further drive. It's probably about an hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, everything everybody said is if you go during the weekend, you're going to be waiting there for like one, two hours, two, three hours to like get, you know, in line. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really want to waste my Saturday. That's but I, I do want to go there one time because obviously, like you said, it's nationally ranked. Yeah, we have a bunch of local breweries here, but they're like kind of, I guess, nationally distributed too. So that kind of takes away from the luster. Yeah. But there are a lot of really cool niche breweries too. And uh, I've had a bunch of them on the podcast before, like Pipeworks and Finches, stuff like that that are smaller. Then we have like Goose Island, Revolution, Lagunitas. Uh, But those are kind of like, you you can find those. Yeah, Yeah, they started in California, but they opened a Chicago place like five years ago, maybe. Okay, cool. Yeah, Dan. Maybe when I come up to Boston, we go to that brewery. We should. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, I will take a trip there. Um, you should get a growler so you can review it on the podcast. Yeah, you better idea. get a growler if you freaking drive all the way up to Boston. <laughs> I've I've never gotten a growler before. How about a crowler? Nope. Oh man, I have a Yeti that's supposed to be okay as a growler, but it has like a screw top. Like, it's a wide mouth screw top, and I'm very skeptical of it holding carbonation. <laughs> well, you won't <laughs> yeah, that, until you try. Yeah, wide mouth screw top does seem like uh, 
uh, it wouldn't do that well. So we have a Jolly Pumpkin that's like a 10-minute, 15-minute walk from me. And I may just go down because, I mean, I can always just drink a lot of beer one night if it goes bad. Like, or not bad, but like <laughs> well, becomes uncarbonated. I'll uh, make the sacrifice. <laughs> you know, we'll do it for the podcast and report back in a few weeks. I got to drink all this beer. All right. Yeah, it's for, for work. Okay. We got a podcast. That's going to be fun. a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should. We, the great beer. We should all just get hammered one podcast and just well, do it I completely was, bomb. I was going to suggest for the 50th podcast that we do beers in review of things we've done before and just choose like four or five beers each. Okay. And do like a super long podcast, like a two hour podcast or something. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. We're going to have to. Got to get the nod from the podmaster though. Pod oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we have vote him. <laughs> we, we get uh, to make all these decisions while he's on vacation. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> The shareholders we're going to change voted. the name by the end of the episode. <laughs> it's going to be three three men's opinions by the end. <laughs> oh man, poor Tommy. Uh, friend of the pod, Tommy. <laughs> a, 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 a former friend of the pod. pod once we kick him off. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's going to change the username and password on him. <laughs> No, oh, that would be that would be hilarious. Imagine if we did that and you can't get on. Uh, oh. um, uh, I went to Asbury Park this weekend. Completely different than what I expected and remembered of it. All right, it's like hey, a completely hey, new place. It used to be a dump, right? Oh, a huge shithole. Well, like, it still... was real nice in like the '60s and '70s, right? And then like it got decrepit. Yeah, I guess so. But like. But yeah, it, it was decrepit for a really long time. Yeah. And then we went this weekend, and like there's still parts of it that like you know there's like the projects that are still pretty close to the beach and stuff like that. But then you get like to the beach, and literally the whole boardwalk is massive, filled with restaurants, and bars, and uh, music venues, and all this stuff. I was very surprised. Like all this art stuff going on, and like it's all built up now. It's crazy. <laughs> Interesting. I wouldn't expect that from Asbury. <laughs> no, me neither. Because like you're driving into it, and it's like what you would expect Asbury Park to be. Kind of like it's a lot of auto body shops, a lot of kind of rundown homes and, and stuff like that. It's obviously like uh, uh, a struggling uh, community. But then like you get to the maybe a block or so from the from the ocean, and then it just kind of opens up and there are all these restaurants. Like we went to one restaurant, we didn't end up getting any food there, but it was like thirty five bucks a meal. I was like, what? I was like, where the hell am I? <laughs> gentrified <laughs> park. It, yeah, totally gentrified. I felt like it was like a grimier, like grimy in a good way, but like a grimier like San Francisco uh, uh, or, or West Village type of area. But Could you get an egg on your burger, Dan? Uh, I did not try, but we did, get, we did have excellent, an excellent burger at like one o'clock in the morning at one of these places. Uh, it was a uh, burger and it was a uh, buffalo, uh, buffalo french fries. Ah. Ooh. That was, 
What are what are buffalo French fries? Is that just like with hot sauce on them? Uh, it had like buffalo buffalo uh, like seasoning. See. Yeah, and and sauce actually. Oh. So instead of ketchup, it had, it had like this buffalo sauce on it. It was and barbecue sauce. It was delicious. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It was it was excellent. And then uh, we had these fish tacos. Uh, Korean infused fish tacos. Also, very impressive. Um, it was like at like it was on the boardwalk, and you know like those um, those storage containers that you see like people like like you know that obviously you store stuff in. So it's basically <laughs> <laughs> it's basically that, and they just like cut it out and made it into like uh, a little like taco stand on the boardwalk. Pretty cool. Yeah, sounds pretty good. And uh, what was the reason you were in Asbury again? A concert? Uh, yeah, yeah, we went to. Uh, Bouncing Souls was doing like a 30th anniversary to- show at uh, Stone Pony. Oh man, those guys got to be pretty old these days. Yeah, they look pretty good. The guy was <laughs> crowd surfing. I-, I don't know how old he is, but Needs I mean, a few 30 years. So-, <laughs> so they have to be somewhat old, but like the three of them look like they weren't that much older than me. Um, but they're pretty good. It was them, uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Leftover Crack, and a couple other bands. Okay, you know they were they were uh, they were started in New Jersey, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. I, well, I think they 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 kick off a lot of this stuff in uh, like around that Asbury Park Stone Pony uh, venue. Okay, yeah, I, I haven't listened to them in years, but I used to love them back in the day. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. They put on a pretty good show. I liked it. So we'll see, and then we might go to Canada for another show in a couple months. Crazy! Don't know, get deported, we'll Dan. Don't get deported. <laughs> We'll see, though, because it's in uh, Quebec province or whatever it is. So I went to look to buy tickets, but, like, the whole website was, like, in French. So I'm like... (laughs) There's usually, like, an option, like a toggle switch at the top, though. Yeah, I think there is. I didn't look that closely without my phone, but I'm like, shit, if they're already... If, like, the default is French, (laughs) I'm like, no It's probably in Quebec. (laughs) Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, It's, like, outside of Quebec, so I'm like, shit. Everybody's speaking French with this fucking thing. Yeah. Oh, that would be pretty cool to go there, though. I mean, I, yeah. as, as you know, I, I'm pretty sure I told you I'm going to uh, Montreal in two weeks. <laughs> For the oh. Heavy Metal Festival? <laughs> oh, yeah, the Heavy, yeah, metal, the heavy metal, metal Festival. <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather be going to see, uh, you know, the Bouncing Souls or whoever the hell you're going to see. Uh, we're seeing the Interrupters. Shout out to the Interrupters, friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to see them. Uh, yeah, we'll see them in, I think it's November. They're playing up there. Uh, but yeah, it should be good. But yeah, the Montreal, yeah. how are you flying to Montreal or are you driving? Flying. Ooh. How, how far of a flight is that? Like an hour, two hours? It can't be that long. Yeah, about two hours. I don't remember exactly, but it's, it's not very long. Yeah. I think, you know, I, think leave, I think we leave at like 8.30, get in like 10.30, something like that. No, that's not bad. And then you're going to listen to heavy metal all day, baby. All weekend. Oh. Hey, it's better yeah. than the like nine hour drive it would probably be. That's true. Yeah, actually, uh, it, I, I know I'm obviously further north, but I looked. It's only like to get to where we're going in outside, just outside of Quebec. It's like a three and a half hour drive. Oh, that's not bad. I know. So I was like, and yeah. uh, I, I assume you guys wouldn't be bringing the kids. No, or anything well, like- no, we got to find somebody to watch the kids. But, you know, we'll see. So looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be cool. You got your passport all set up and all that? Yeah, actually, if I have to make sure it's still good. <laughs> Although, yeah, no, I, I, it'll I, be, uh, I, um, 
I actually have to get a new license this year. Ooh. Um, Do you have an enhanced so I, license option? No, well, so yeah. So when you go, so I'm going to go in person. When you go <clears throat> in person, they give you that real ID. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll be set when I do that. Yeah, that'll be a good idea. I love that they just keep pushing that back. They're like, we could, you know, satisfy this requirement, or we can just push the requirement back another year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every year they, they they keep changing it. So, so I might as well do it now, and then get it over with. Uh, Roland, uh, Roland, I do like the cap of your beer. By the way, I just saw the picture. Yeah, you probably haven't seen that in the stores, though, right? No. No, I yeah. definitely have not. It's a pretty good beer. Huh. I've only had maybe four or five different ones. They have a huge, um, like they have a fancy day where they have tickets. Like you have to come ahead of time and get tickets like a month before. And then they release like a special edition beer every year, like in a bomber, like large format. And um, they, I think you get unlimited like samples of it, but they're like pint glasses of it during the they call dark lord day so there's dark lord beer that they release uh once a year and and where's is this close to you yeah munster indiana and the food is really good i think they may have gotten some like culinary awards um these breweries man i really i really missed the boat on this some of the uh (laughs) chicago clubs do like every month they'll do a bike ride out there Really? So, yeah, a bunch of people meet up and then ride out together, go to the brewery and come back. Some people bring, like, uh, those paneers on the side to put, like, six packs in there and bring them home. <laughs> Man. And how, yeah, how long is that ride take so you? Um, I don't know. It's probably, like, a little over an hour going out. Uh, this is really funny story. So I, I, the first time I ever did it, I met up with this guy, and it's like a social ride. So they're like go 16, 17 miles an hour or something like that, which is like pretty normal for like road biking. It's like on the slow side. It's pretty like it's conversational pace. And uh, the guy's like, all right, this is a no drop ride, which means like we're not going to leave anyone behind. As soon as we left, he just takes off and there are people like <laughs> falling off the back. And he's like, we got to get there for opening. And there's this lady just like hanging on for dear life and we, it's like 25 miles out there or something. So like, this is like the third mile and she's like struggling and I'm like, Oh, she's never going to make it. And she like stops for a minute and was like, can we take a break? And I was like, this is going to take forever. And he's like, all right, uh, we're going to stop, but then we're going to go back on again. And he just like takes off again. They're like sprinting. And he's like, got to make it there for the opening. And we're like, we're dropping this person behind. And he's like, leave her behind. She can catch up. She knows the way. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> Ruthless. Yeah, hey, you had to get there for opening, Roland. Come on. Oh my God. We got there. There were like five people like in line. And we're like, yeah, great. Glad we got there early. That's so funny. That's uh not um <laughs> not no no brewery or, or biking story, but uh uh my wife always likes to make fun of me because um a couple years ago uh they re released Ghostbusters into the movie theater for like a day. I don't know if you remember this. The OG no. one though, right? Yeah, yeah, the original one. Yeah, the first one. Um, and so go, the first Ghostbusters is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Whoa. I uh, love the first Ghostbusters. Uh, and so I'm like, we're getting tickets. We're going, you know, whatever. And so like, we get tickets. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's get there like 
you know, half hour early because I didn't want to make sure we get like seat, good seats and, you know, all that other shit. We get there. Uh, movie starts. By the time movie started, there had to be maybe 20 people at the, in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm glad we got here. <laughs> yeah, obviously not everyone else's favorite movie ever. <laughs> not everybody else was as excited as I was for the uh, <laughs> reopening of Ghostbusters. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so popular. Everybody's going to go. I was like, follow, I follow their Facebook page. I was following it for months. I was like, oh man, come like to Boston, come to Boston. <laughs> Yep. So me and those 18 other people that uh, showed up really were excited. Best of the folks. True, true fans. True fans. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was good. Anyway. So sports. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about Summer League? Either that, either that or the epic match you watched. Oh, the tennis Ooh, match? Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. I only watched two sets, though. So the last I mean, two I could sets, talk about though, it. Right? It's kind of weird. Yeah, the last two sets. And I was in a I saw some of the tennis, for... so I'm happy to talk about it, too. All right. So I was there watching. I watched uh, the fourth and fifth sets. And then when they started going into the, not tiebreaker, but when they tied up at 6-6, I had to leave to go see a movie with my wife. We went to go see Yesterday. Oh, how was that? Pretty good, pretty good movie. A little better than I probably thought it was going to be. A solid... B minus B movie. Okay. Um, But I was following the tennis match before the movie started because they went into uh, tiebreaker. So they were tied at 12-12 in the fifth set. Um, It was pretty evenly matched. Uh, What did you think about it, Dan? Did you, how much did you watch? Uh, I I probably watched from that uh, midpoint on. So maybe I caught it on like the third set or so around there. Uh, I, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought, so I, so I compare now everything, um, and I thought it was probably one of the best matches I've seen in a really long time because it's probably two it was of the better players, uh, ever. It uh, was so evenly matched too, it seemed. It was, and Djokovic is so good. It's crazy. He had, um, and I don't know how much Rich saw, but he had, uh, Federer had, uh, two championship points i think on his serve and Djokovic won both of them and then obviously ended up winning the the match and i I thought i read that it's like the first time in like 60 or 70 years where somebody had a championship point in wimbledon and didn't end up going on to win the match wow um which is kind of crazy but i guess Djokovic, and i mean he's supposedly and he is an incredible uh like defensive player like the guy makes no mistakes he hits pretty much everything back over the net it's incredible he's kind of like almost robotic in a sense um but yeah i thought the the match was obviously uh uh really good probably one of the best ones i've seen i I compare everything to the um maybe it's almost 10 years ago now this the nadal federer wimbledon finals which was mind-bogglingly good that was probably the greatest tennis match i've ever seen so it wasn't as good as that, that quality. But, I mean, these guys were also, like, you know, 10 years older than, <laughs> than they were uh, when they played that one. Or Federer is, and, and Djokovic, I don't think, even think was really at that level yet. But it was really, really good. Uh, and, like, Federer just kind of made a few more mistakes, um, which, you know, I mean, obviously turned out to be the difference. Uh, but, like, Djokovic just 
does not make a mistake. He freaking hits everything over the net. He, it's just a machine. He's really unbelievable. He has a winning record versus Nadal and Federer. And he's the only guy to beat. So he, he's beaten, I think, Wimbledon. Uh, I thought I saw he beat like Federer three times, I think, in Wimbledon. And he's beaten Nadal in the French Open uh, to, win the, to win the French. And like, he's the only guy that's been able to basically go to these guys dominating courts and win and win like consistently, which is, I mean, it's incredible. I was looking so he, at the stats before I um, started watching, like, fully before, and it seemed Federer was way better at the net in the first half, like, in the first three sets than he was in the last half. Yeah, and, and so I, I didn't obviously see the first set or two, but uh, it just looked like, I mean, the way Djokovic can just kind of keep hitting the ball deep and, like, he doesn't miss a shot. He doesn't make a mistake. He, if he he can hit his racket on it, and it just goes, you know, down to uh, down near the baseline. And it kind of, I think it forced Federer to kind of either slow heading up to the net, and I think he had a couple of winners. And, and I don't know, it, Djokovic is... He missed a couple of easy winners, too. Or, I, I mean, I shouldn't say missed, because Djokovic played extremely well and returned some, yeah. like, slams at the net that should have gone by. Yeah, I know. I mean, he... You know, whenever he's 37, he played, you know, a massive match against Nadal two days earlier. And, and, and you know, but that's always kind of been uh, the knock a little bit on Federer is when he plays against, like, guys like Djokovic and, like, Nadal, like, guys that are at his level. Uh, he has a hard time finishing uh, a lot of times. And he creates he, – he, he gets these, like, unforced errors, essentially – that are the difference when, you know, you go into a fifth, fifth set tie break, literally any point it could, you know, can be the difference. So, uh, but it was really good. I liked it. Uh, oh, it the seemed like thing... a showing of uh, like power versus almost athleticism. Cause Djokovic was just a little more accurate and a little more active, like in the backcourt, getting to the balls and placing them a little bit better. And better so... seemed real good from the baseline and had an incredible serve, but. And he was so getting out flexible too, and he's yeah. so like flexible. It feels like he could like literally hit everything uh, back. But the one thing that I uh, that I uh, noticed, and I always get a little annoyed about, and I, I guess I understand it, but um, and I read a couple articles after the fact about it. But basically, like how um, like at Wimbledon and a lot of these championships, like people aren't necessarily rooting for Djokovic. Like at the Wimbledon final uh, yesterday, it was apparent even though Djokovic is the number one seed, like there was nobody that was excited that Djokovic beat Federer. And I get it because Federer is so beloved, but like it happens at almost every tournament. And I read a couple of articles about like, why don't people appreciate Djokovic? Because he's arguably the best of the three. And like Federer, people love Nadal, people love Djokovic, people like, oh God, he won again, you know? And it was just kind of a weird uh, vibe when he won and when he was kind of, when he would score points, but it's like that in a lot of these, uh, uh, um, you know, championships with him for, for, I don't know, whatever reason, I don't understand why people don't embrace him as much as they embrace Federer or Nadal. Cause I, I kind of like his personality uh, as much, if not more than, than some of the other guys, but I don't know. I thought that was, that's weird too. 
Yeah, because you've had varying personalities. If you look at people over the years, like in the old days, like old, like for me, you know, like John McEnroe and then Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras, they all had like very different personalities. And then you even get into like Federer, Nadal, like everyone has their kind of own look on things and everyone seems to have been embraced like when they were taking up the reins of being number one. So yeah. it seems weird that they're just kind of dismissing this <laughs> up and coming player who is incredible, you but, know, and, right now. And it's arguably because I think he's only a couple Grand Slam wins away. And he already has, what, two this year because I think he won the Australian. Um, so, you know, he's a, a good, if he has like a good two more years and he's only 32, but if he has a good two or three years left, um, it's not inconceivable that he's going to pass Federer in terms of like uh, championships won, which is, you know, unbelievable. Federer, you know, got to whatever the number was, 22, I think he has. I forget exactly how many. And it's possible Djokovic is going to pass him in like three years. And he, he just doesn't seem to get the same level of respect and awe that Federer does. But hopefully now, like I feel like yesterday's championship because Federer played really, really well. Yeah, Djokovic still won, and I get he's older, and he's not the same level Federer, but I, hopefully after yesterday's win, people are like, oh, shit, Djokovic actually is phenomenal. So, we'll see. Rich, thoughts from a former tennis player? <laughs> yeah. That's from yeah. a, a high school tennis star? Yeah, I didn't get to see any of it, sadly. Um, uh, you know, I was busy driving home and then dealing with the pool incident. Um, uh, can you explain the pool incident for those of us uh, that aren't familiar at home? <laughs> Why are you bringing me back to such sadness? Because <laughs> you've already had a beer in you. Um, I will say before we leave tennis, uh, it did make me miss tennis uh, yesterday hearing about the epic battle. So I did buy tickets to opening day of the U.S. Open. Oh, Ooh. you did? I, did. I when, will say, have you been before? It? August, right? End yeah. of August? End of August. Yeah, I, I went about uh, 10 years ago. I went probably two or three years right after I moved to New York. Um, I Did was you pretty, like it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, I just got a um, day pass, or whatever. Like a day pass, and you pretty much yeah, can yeah. sit anywhere you want. It's, yeah. I mean, there What's are some the areas, obviously that are, you know, assigned seating, but there's a lot of areas yeah. to sit and watch any game. And, yeah. You know, I, I love that environment at the tennis match. I mean, it makes for an enjoyable, relaxing day. Yeah. Yeah. The U.S. Open for uh, listeners of the pod who have not gone to the U.S. Open before. I highly recommend it because it is such a fun event. Like, so I used to go every year. I've got, I went last time, maybe a couple of years ago. I was actually a little disappointed with it, but, um, but overall it's still a really good event because like you said, like, especially those early, um, those early rounds, like you get something in the first week and there's so many, you know, there's only two main courts and only one of them, I believe has assigned seating. Right. And then there are a million other side courts. So you could see like, the 12th player in the world, 12th ranked player in the world, playing on some side court, smacking the ball at 120 miles an hour, literally five feet from your face, which is kind yeah. of pretty cool. Yeah, um, so, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. So if you want to come down or anything, you know. What's the, what's the date? Yeah, what is the date? Because I could adjust. I'm coming down on the 28th to go on vacation, so I may be able to adjust. Well, I, I got for the opening day, which is the 26th. Yeah. Let me see when my flight really is. And not just make this up. <laughs> it's pretty good. So the only thing I'd say about uh, the um, 
the only thing I'd say about the U.S. Open is it's um, from what I used to go to when I went like I said two years ago. I think maybe I last went is that it's gotten much more uh, high end. Yeah, uh, which like when I when I used to go when I was a kid or whatever, like it used to be like you know there would be a ton of stuff for kids to do, and it's kind of like a you know a regular type of sporting event. You can get hot dogs and, you know, chicken fingers and all that other shit. But, like, when I went a couple of years ago, it was, like, sushi everywhere. <laughs> and it was just, like, a completely different environment. Um, I mean, it's still cool. The same idea. But, like, that type, that piece of it, I was like, oh, shit, this is really kind of gearing towards a specific type of audience that yeah, I don't feel I like, like it's focused on before. See, yeah, when I that piece. When I was growing up on Long Island, though, I thought it was the exact opposite. I thought it was, like, super high-end. Like, I could never afford to go to the U.S. Open, like, as a kid. That may yeah. be the seated, seated tickets, though. Yeah, we would never get – yeah, I mean, when we went, we went, like, the first week, and we, we kind of just walked around the grounds. But um, – and it was, like, you know, like I said, it was, like, they'd have, like, you know, see how fast you could serve the ball and, like like, all those type of – you know cheesy little kid games that you would see at like baseball stadiums they would have like the tennis versions of them um and then like i said like yeah it was like i was like 15 dollars for a beer it was like really crazy when we went like a couple years ago i was like what the hell is this (laughs) um but uh but it's still uh but the whole idea of it still is, is the same uh and it's pretty cool all right, well, let me know next year if you want to go because my wife used to love playing tennis and she wants to go see the Open. Well, I'm, I'm in every year. I mean, it, it's def- like Dan said, it's, it's a fun and great event to go to. All right, I'm going to throw it in my calendar. Nice. 20, uh, yeah, 2022. <laughs> Instead of, uh, I'll put Wait, remind Why 2022? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said it's not 2022 like my tri coconut. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I uh, yeah. Let I'll me have it remind year. me on Rich's birthday. <laughs> oh yeah, is this a, a birthday present for yourself? <laughs> no, you know, I I was just upset I was missing that epic bat on. You know, I was like, man, I got to go to the open next when it's here. So I looked up tickets immediately when I got home and just bought one. Yeah, are you going by yourself? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah. I like it a lot. And plus you can just like walk around and like do whatever you want. It's kind of, I feel like well, it's a very that, underrated New York event. Like that's what I love about it. I mean, you just walk around, you can go sit at different courts and, you know, catch a couple different games. If one sucks, there's usually another one going on at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, uh, uh, one time we were sitting next to like one of the guys, oh, uh, I don't know if you remember back in the day, uh, Mark Philippousis. Do you remember him? The tennis player? Yeah. He had like um, a really, he was like, Six eight, he had a really big yeah. serve. Uh, he was like, I wouldn't say he was like a top ranked player, but he probably got into the top ten. But we we were watching him play like one of the side courts, and he could hit the ball like serve the ball like 125, 130 miles an hour. Might even be more than that. Um, but but like we were sitting on the bench, and like his coach is like sitting next to us because you know that's where like they sit and they like you know talking a little bit to us about like what he's hoping he could do and like all this other shit. And I'm like, huh. I don't know, it's just like a really weird event that you're so close to, like, these elite athletes, which is kind of yeah, cool. No, it's just cool because, you know, like, the courts that they're playing on aren't necessarily the courts that you see on TV, like, those big courts with the grandstand. Some of them are, like, high school courts almost. <laughs> yeah, no, they exactly are. They're, like, high school courts. 
there's a tennis court, a tennis court, and then they'll just put a couple rows of benches there, and you just sit there and watch like, you know, the 15th player in the world versus the 20th player in the world. I mean, that's yeah, where those guys play. It could be you and like 30 other people watching this, and that would be it. Like yeah. at like noon or something. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, because they only have, I believe, they only have one main event a session. So there'll be one big one in the in the in you know in the during the day in the fall, and then another big one at night. Oh, I just <laughs> I just got the reminder <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> Yeah, August 3, 2020. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm ready to buy. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll make it earlier. I don't know. <laughs> August 3 may be too late. Yeah, that might be too late. When do you want it for? Early in June? I do now, July 15th. All right. I, I think I was looking up them up yesterday, and I think they said they go on, on sale like a year in advance or something crazy like that. Oh, really? But I can't imagine the first week or two, I don't yeah. think they sell out. I think they're pretty uh, pretty open, like pretty available. I don't think we've ever bought them like super early. Um, make, sure you send, make sure you get uh, Tommy in on the uh, Oh, yeah. oh is he still part, uh... of, part of this group? <laughs> oh. Who's Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> got I, hope for I hope he's listening. He's gonna listen to the whole thing. He's gonna be like, "Fuck these guys." He's gonna be stewing on his vacation, listening to the podcast in the car, driving the kids to the beach. Can't wait. This one's for you, Tommy. I'm kind of <laughs> sad he can't be here for the next conversation about RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett, I'm back on the bandwagon, baby. Oh, are you on the bandwagon? Uh, yeah, I actually thought he played pretty well at the end of uh, those first two games. Looked awful, but he started to turn around a little bit. Um, but like uh, as you said in the chat, it's tough to take too much away from summer league. But he at least gave me enough Barrett where I'm like, okay, I can see why the next drafted him at the Ray. He clearly has some. Yeah, <laughs> he clearly has talent. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball that great, so he needs to obviously do that. I mean that. I mean, nobody – I feel like most people coming out of college uh, need to work on their shooting just because it's a completely different game in the NBA, three-point lines, further out, so they're not used to all that type of stuff. So hopefully uh, he can develop a shot because then I think he could be really good uh, if he can become a you know, 40% three-point shooter. Do you have any winners and losers from summer league or you were just following the Knicks or <laughs> uh, I was primarily just following the Knicks, but I, I, I think uh, if I will say, so I love summer league uh, and I'm happy the Knicks played a lot of their players, but I will say uh, I will classify summer league itself or the NBA as a, a loser in, uh, in the summer league. Cause I, um, you know, I think one of the exciting things with the summer league is getting to watch like, the guys that your team just drafted play and kind of see him for the first time. And so outside of the Knicks, I think RJ Barrett was the only player picked in the top six or top 10 to play at all in summer league. Zion played like five minutes of the first game and then he was out. Uh, Morant didn't play at all. Like so many guys didn't play that, you know, were drafted that I feel like, I don't know what the NBA can do about that, but to me, it kind of, sucks then if you know you, you, your team you know has the fifth pick or has you know you're the pelicans you drafted zion i mean 
I get he he bumped his knee, but shit. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad of an injury. Yeah, it's a knee bruise, you know. No, it is. Um, it's disappointing that we don't get to see all the main drafted guys. I mean, because I mean, I think I think organizations are realizing too that summer league is not important at all, and there's nothing to take away from it. I know, but but it's good for the league and the fans to show us those players. I mean. You know, that, that's what makes the NBA great is the offseason is so quick and so fast. There's one thing after another. And if you're taking those, these players away from us for summer league, I mean, you're ruining a whole aspect of the offseason. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know what the NBA can necessarily do to make these guys play. But I, I, I think, you know, and, and obviously it's probably unfair uh, of me and others to get on RJ after two summer league games. But like, and, and so it's unfair pressure probably on a lot of these guys when obviously the games don't mean anything. But, you know, you saw that, I mean, people were scalping tickets for what, 10 times, five times at face value for, to watch Zion and RJ play. And then Zion plays like five minutes or 10 minutes. Like, I get that the games aren't important and I get that it's better to get them into training camp and work them up that way. But I don't know. Some of these are a lot yeah, of fun. They're 10x scalping engineers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, so. that's, that's the problem though. Summer league isn't really for those guys. It's really for guys that are fighting for a roster spot. Yeah. yeah. You saw the second year guys really light it up this year though. I don't know if I've never followed Summer League before, so I'm not too familiar with it. Yeah. But it seemed like the second year guys, like when I was following the higher stats and stuff like that, it was all the second year guys duking it out pretty much. Yeah, and that is what um and I think that's kind of, uh, you know, the second-year guys who may or may not have a contract or the guys that may have been drafted, you know, in the second round this year. Like, it's, their, it's obviously their opportunity to prove themselves because anybody who's drafted in the first round, you, you're making the team have a roster spot. But anybody after that, it's kind of up in the air. So that's, I get that's who it's really for, and it's kind of exciting. You know, it's, it's exciting, you know, for, for – uh, Knicks fans to see some of those guys that they drafted in the second round to kind of be like, oh, shit, are we going to have a spot for him? Where is he going to go? Or to see, like, Trier play really well and Mitchell Robinson continue to develop. So it's kind of nice to see that. But at the same time, it would be kind of cool to see, you know, Morant, like, do a crazy crossover drive dunk or Zion to jump out of the, you know, off the court and to, you know. Like, so, so it's kind of cool to see those things. So it's always a little disappointed that you don't. And now you have to wait until, you know preseason and then the NBA regular season. But I, I still like summer league. I still watch it, so they should have a summer game summer league MVP game at the end or all star game with a dunk contest, three point shooting, the whole works. Show I everyone could, off. <laughs> I could do that. I I'd be down for that. That'd be cool. Yeah, also, uh, although Zion said I, he's not doing the dunk contest didn't he? <laughs> he already really- what the fuck? But he's going to do the Summer League dunk contest. <laughs> yeah, he's in Summer, League, summer dunk. League dunk contest. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, saw, I thought I saw that Zion already said he's not doing it. Ugh. That's disappointing. That Maybe if he gets different shoes, it'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Also, but yeah. could they add in some exhibition games at the end and bring in normal NBA players like vets at the end? To play like a five game series or something. Complete I don't think the game. vets would ever do it and risk yeah. injury. No, yeah. I don't think the vets would do it either. Um, 
But you know what's actually going to be interesting uh, for the NBA? I'm curious. I get there's nothing they can do, but it's always kind of uh, tough. Like, uh, obviously, Popovich and the Spurs made it very popular. Where, you know, you limit – and I know the, the Sixers are going to do it with, like, a beat in these guys. Like, limit, limit uh, some of these players to, like, you know, 60, 65 games and just give them, like, you know, uh, oh, he's whatever, tired or under the weather, yeah. days off, you know? The NBA pitch count. <laughs> pitch count and like I, I think more and more teams are starting to do it because you know you obviously much rather have these guys fresh for the playoffs than play in like 80 games in a year if, you know especially if you don't need them to so I'm going to be interested to see how the NBA handles that that stuff I mean I, I get that there's again limited stuff as to what they can do but like you know, you're gonna have like guys like Embiid playing 65 games, LeBron could be playing 60, 65 games, Anthony Davis, um, you know, because those teams are locked in, and you're you know you're the Knicks, and you're you know you're a Knicks fan, and you're like, oh fuck the Knicks, I want to you know I'll pay the extra price because the Lakers are coming into town, and then LeBron and Anthony Davis are getting like a scheduled day off. I don't know, like that type of stuff. I don't know how the NBA could fix that, but I feel like that's going to be interesting going forward for the league. Yeah, that, that, like, that definitely sucks for the fans because, you know, as you know, I sell my tickets and a lot of people pay the extra money for the big games. Yeah. And then, you know, the star players don't play. I mean, one thing they should maybe think about doing is getting rid of the back-to-backs because that's, you know. That, that's one of the reasons, yeah. Yeah, most of the star players aren't going to play both games in the back-to-back. I mean, no, especially if they don't need to. Yeah. Like, if it's not the end of the season, they don't need it for, for playoff positioning, they're going to take those games off. And, and you know, or, or even if it's – but the problem is you're buying those tickets so far in advance. You know, like, the, let's say the Knicks and the Lakers are playing on, you know, you know, January 1st against each other. Like, those tickets are already going to be jacked up, so you're going to buy them. And then LeBron might not – LeBron and Anthony Davis – and, I get injuries are always part of the thing. But, like – you know, a, a day off kind of sucks. It's not like, you know, baseball, you, you buy a Yankee ticket, there's a 95% chance, unless something crazy happened, Aaron Judge is going to be in the lineup. They're not going to give sure. baseball players a random day off unless something's really wrong, um, you know? So so it's basketball, obviously, a little different. Same thing with football. You're not going to get yeah. – well, football is obviously a very different sport. I was just going to say that. You get that in the last one or two games of the season where you have the backups playing if you lock up a playoff spot. But you, the time scale is a lot longer for basketball, where you can clinch stuff with 15 games to go or something. If you have a if you have a really good team and a bad division or something, then how likely are you to play your star players instead of resting them for the playoffs? Not likely. I mean, maybe they're playing 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, football is a little different just because you know the last two games of the season, you know, is kind of risky when you're buying the tickets. Yeah. Whereas the NBA, you have no idea almost. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't plan a trip to go see your favorite player, and feel confident you're going to see them, which is not good from a fan perspective. It, it's terrible. Yeah, and, and the NFL is also a little different because it's so. I mean, part of it is, is you know, it's so much based off of teams more so than um, like star players. Where the NBA is so driven by the star players that like. True. True. You know, I mean, I'll go watch a Giant game, and, you know, even if Barkley's hurt, I'm still rooting for the Giants. Plus, uh, and you, you know, you had Eagle season tickets. Like, uh, for season ticket holders, it doesn't really make a difference because you're paying yeah. that one price throughout. But, like, I'm not p- buying, like, next season tickets. But, like, I might buy one or two games. 
you know, yeah, let's take out, let's check out the Clippers because you know, I want to see Kawhi and Paul George, but like, whatever, it could be like, see, to your point, it could be the second night of a back to back, and uh, you know, Doc Rivers is like, eh, let's give him the night off, and it's like, fuck, I just spent five hundred bucks <laughs> to watch a bunch of like no name players play a bunch of no name players on the Knicks. So yeah, yeah, the NBA does need to do something about that. I did see talks about them reducing the schedule, but I think that's just talk yeah. to the media i don't think that's ever a real possibility because they're throwing away money at that point yeah i i'd agree with that the, I, I do have faith the nba can do something because i actually think uh adam silver is probably the best commissioner out of all the major sport leagues uh so i feel like if anybody can make their sport better uh it's him because obviously the other three guys are idiots and have made their sports noticeably worse so. I think it's a they're a prime candidate for increasing the season length a little bit and increasing a couple days here and there for breaks. Because look look at where it ends, right? There's nothing going on right now. Yeah. Right? I, I, I like baseball is going on right now. There's nothing going on right now. Yeah, uh, I, it was this the is baseball the worst part of the baseball break. year. <laughs> it was the, the baseball all-star break before. And then you have a bunch of lower – Lower tier sports, right? Happening. Um, so besides it being I mean, a World Cup year, if, if we're ranking MLS low tier, Roland, then I don't know what we're doing on this podcast. MLS is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me re- recalibrate for a second. <laughs> yeah, like one thing they could do, which maybe, maybe they, I'm just talking out of my ass here, but what if they love made it. it? What if? Yeah, you love that. <laughs> what if they made? It? to get to the playoffs because right now more than half the league makes the playoffs so yeah. there's no incentive to play all your games because it's so easy to make the playoffs but if it was more of a challenge to get in the playoffs you kind of need every game becomes more important i know but if you don't but i feel like like for those you know obviously the eight team is going to get smoked anyway but even if they get but those two home games they make so much money you know that that's the problem. Like like Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn was the eighth seed, and they got smoked by the Bucks. But they still got two home games that they wouldn't have gotten if they weren't in the playoffs. So even though they they got killed, oh no, it wasn't Brooklyn. It was Detroit. Uh, the Pistons were the eighth seed. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, even though the Pistons got smoked in four games, they still got two home games out of the deal. That's two games of playoff ticket prices and two games of playoff concession stands, which is you know probably a significant chunk of change. Yeah. So I don't know what they could do. It's going to be – it's tricky, but I, I do feel like they need to figure something out because people will start getting pissed if uh, they go into games and the star players aren't playing because they need a rest. And I feel like it's only going to happen more and more as like – you know, like with the Sixers, they're probably locked into a top three seed, you know, as long as Embiid plays 60, 65 games. You know, you don't need to push them to 70. They already said he's not going to play any back-to-backs, most likely. Yeah. I mean, when you're starting the season and saying it's likely he's not going to play back-to-back, like, come on. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's a big man, so it's a little more understandable for him because their bodies are a little more fragile. But, like, Kawhi, they did that with him last year. Like, Yeah, they did, yeah. He, he only played 65 games, I think, last year. How does he only play 60? Like, come on, man. Give him some more milkshakes. <laughs> yeah, just a couple more. Yeah, but I think it's just gonna. I think they've already talked about that with LeBron and with Anthony Davis, uh, with the Lakers. I guarantee they're gonna do it again with Kawhi this year, where he's not gonna play. You know, 
and obviously it, it worked out more so because uh, he was much fresher for the playoffs and he looked like he could take it to another year. But like a guy like Giannis who played almost the entire season, you think Milwaukee is going to do that? I, you know, I, I, I don't oh, see why no. they would, they wouldn't, you know, they're like, whatever, do we need to burn Giannis out and have him play 80 games during the regular season? If we're, you know, dominating Nah, why not? You know, why should we? You, you so. can see it for an older player like LeBron though, that it may not make sense you to can. play all the games. He's, established himself he has pretty much the stats he needs i think he's happy just wants to win championships so he's going to put himself in a position to do that some of the younger players may may play it out to get stats i mean yeah that was the problem with Embiid. he actually has complained the last couple years when they sit him for that re you know for the load management or whatever the hell they call it yeah load management yeah (laughs) complained that they sit him out that for that because he wants to be known for playing, you know, close to 80 games. He wants to get his stats. He wants to become known for best defensive player. He wants to get MVP. So he's looking for the stats, whereas the organization is saying, you know what, screw the stats. You know, we want you for the playoffs. Yeah, it's a tough – And yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. And, and, and I don't know what the NBA could do, and I don't know what, you know – uh, the players do, even like younger players. I mean, I'm sure R.J. Barrett's going to play as many games as he can. You know, he's a rookie. He's 20 years old. It's not that big of a deal. But, like, once you get a couple years, you know, in you or get a little banged up or, you know, I mean, Steph Curry, they, they've been doing that for, with Steph for a couple years, with it, you know, to manage his ankle injuries and all that other stuff. Uh, but, you know, Golden State never mattered because then you could just roll out Durant or Clay or whatever. So uh, they had so many stars. But, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, to see kind of how they do it. But looking forward to the NBA season starting up. Although uh, we're going to have to switch gears in another couple of weeks, guys. NFL preseason to be starting soon. Are you excited? Like five weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think training camp opens pretty soon, right? <laughs> two, does training weeks. camp open in like two weeks, right? How, pretty close. How do you feel about your boy? Which one? I have a lot of boys, wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the star QB for the New York football giants. Uh, Eli or uh, another bomb <laughs> so, that they drafted. Sorry, the the younger star QB for the New York. I, don't, I haven't seen I haven't seen him play. I'll, I'll withhold judgment until I see him uh, playing a, a, a preseason game. I mean, I, I guess from what I heard, uh, he's looked good in practice. But I mean, it's practice. Like they're not they're not blitzing him. He's not going to get hit. Um, you know, but but uh, I, I was concerned that he had a. His knock was that his arm strength wasn't that strong, but it seems like people have been impressed with him. Yeah, so yeah. Um, so I'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll withhold judgment on him until uh, – although I have no Tonight, idea how the Giants are going to do this yet. No idea. A quick pre-training camp, pre-everything question. Go for do it. You, any shot the uh, Giants do not finish – or finish uh, above uh, – Above what? Fourth place of, in the division. Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't think the I don't think the Redskins and I don't think the Cowboys are that good. I think there's only one good team in the division. The Redskins. Uh, I'm so never think- high on the Redskins, and I'm. Do I think what? There's a chance they finish second in the division. I, I mean, I think there's a chance they could finish as high as second. I, I would say that's probably as, uh, but. I'd be shocked if the Giants win more than nine games. I feel like nine wins is a. Cat nine wins. All right. I mean, I, I feel like seven, I feel like seven or eight wins would be a pretty damn good 
Oh yeah. Oh, I think I think so too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I think there's no way. I think nine wins is an absolute cap. If everything goes that way, they could win as many as nine games. I, I don't I think, think two of us well. are on think, the same page here. I think they'll roll, win. Roll. How much do you want to bet after training camp, Dan's like, oh, they could win 11 games. <laughs> this uh, two team, baby. I was just hoping, uh, like, plus one over 500. Um, Anything better we, than 500, I'd be happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, me too. I do not think they're winning nine games. I, I do want to make that clear. No, I haven't seen them. I think uh, I, you're right. Uh, my opinion of them could change uh, after spring training, but it could go the complete other way. After the that... first two spring training games. <laughs> or, <laughs> Preseason games, whatever. <laughs> preseason games, uh, uh, because last year I uh, last year after watching, pre- I, I had pretty high hopes last year, and then I watched preseason, and I and I told my dad, I was like, this team is awful. They're gonna win like three games, and you could tell the defense was terrible. The offensive line sucked. Um, so this year they have pretty much no expectations. People are like, okay, let's see if Eli has any ability left in him and let's see whether, you know, let's see if he can even finish out the year or we're going to go to the kid from Duke or whatever. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Uh, here's, here's another question for you. What would you rather have happen? Would you rather Eli play decently and play the whole season than the Giants win nine games? Or would you rather him start the season awfully and he gets benched like week 10 and they only win six games, but you get to see, like, six games as a rook. Uh, I think the latter option is probably the best. I mean, I, I only want, like, if Eli's going to be lights out and the Giants look incredible with him slinging the ball up there, then fine, fuck it, let's, let's do it. But I have a hard time believing that that's going to happen. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, not nine wins are maybe on the borderline of the wild card, depending on how the rest of the conference plays. And, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't think their defense is good enough. I don't think they have a good enough pass rush. I don't think their linebacking core is that good. Uh, I'm still up in the air in their offense. Looks like it sounds like they're going to run the ball a lot, which, I mean, it hasn't been a running league in 15 years. But, yeah, sure, why not? Let's run the ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't really – and plus I have no faith in the quarterback and I have no faith – and. I'm sorry. I, I like Eli. I have no faith in the coach, and I have no faith in the GM. Um, <laughs> so, right there, I'm almost hoping they bomb out and they fire both these idiots and start new. So, Roland, what do you hope to see? <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's kind of fruitless if the Giants make the playoffs and Eli's the quarterback. I don't think it moves the team forward at all. Well, so, in the playoffs, NFL, anything can happen. I mean, you could go on a run. Yeah, I mean, unless I just they make some, the unless they team. make some moves, I don't think they have the depth to make any sort of run. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I I don't think this team's that good. I wish we really see like a platooning between Eli and uh, what's his face, new guy. I what? I've never heard of such a thing. Tell me about this, Roland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of when a veteran quarterback kind of brings the guy up a little bit and uh, maybe sunsets himself and. Then retires after a year for the good of the team. <laughs> I do not see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> right. You said, "What would I hope for?" Right? Yeah, I know. I know. I, I can't see. <laughs> I'm writing the I mean, story I, here, Dan. <laughs> Honestly, I, so I don't know how. Uh, and so uh, this will be interesting. I don't know how the Eli thing is going to end. Like, is he going to? 
because his contract's up at the end of this year, I believe. So are the Giants just going to let him walk? I know, I mean, unless something happens this year uh, uh, with an injury or something like that, I don't think Eli is planning on leave on a year. Regardless. Yeah, like he's not going to retire after this year. I don't think so. So are the Giants going to bring him back? I mean, he's making an obscene amount of money this year. As a coach. Uh, he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. So, and I, I think uh, we talked about this. We'll probably talk about it more. But, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the game plan or the approach for teams in the league now, based on the salary scale and everything, has been to essentially uh, uh, get a quarterback on a really cheap contract and then assemble a ridiculous stack team behind him and, you know, have that quarterback hopefully be at least decent, like the Rams. And then you can make a run that way. I mean, Seattle with Russell Wilson did that. The Rams with Goff did that. Um, You know, the Eagles teams uh, to an extent did that. Uh, Dallas with Prescott did that. You know, so like that's basically how teams are, are formed now. So like, to me, it's it's a huge miss if the Giants go beyond this year with Eli, because like you have Daniel Jones who's on a rookie deal, you know you got to see if he's a good player, and then if he's a good player, let's throw throw money on the defense, throw money on the offensive line, because he'll be making a million bucks a year, you know. Yeah, you don't want to waste that rookie deal and then find out he's good his final season and right. have to pay him, right? And then you just screwed because you know you only pay like elite superstar quarterbacks, Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, and even then, like Aaron Rodgers, since he got that massive contract, the Packers, they've made other mistakes, but they haven't been able to pay uh, for that top-level talent that you kind of need, you know, and, and that's why the Patriots have been uh, so good is because Brady hasn't made that much money. I mean, it also helps that he has a, uh, a wife who makes more money than him, so he doesn't need to make all that money. Um, but, like, that's been a and, – and I don't think that's talked about enough like Brady taking those discounts so that the Patriots can invest that money into other players, um, which, you know, a, a lot of teams have so much money in these quarterbacks that they don't have that extra money to get a good left tackle or a good guard or a good pass rusher or whatever the case may be. Cause you know, there's 22 players on the field and you need a m- much more than that to win a Super Bowl. So you can't invest half or 30% of your salary cap into a, a slightly above average quarterback. But you also see a lot of franchise veteran quarterbacks getting released kind of in their last year or two of their career to go on. I mean, that's not unheard of. And it's I don't think it would even be, you know, like a slight to Eli or anything like that if they didn't re-sign him. I, I, oh, I don't a, think so either. A bad fit, bad fit for the team. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I do wonder, though, what this idiot uh, Gettleman thinks, though. Because he... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I do not like Dave Gettleman at all. Uh, you sure? <laughs> and, I mean, he was talking about, like, how, you know, Eli still has a lot of football left. And I feel like they got, like, even seeing it from afar, like Mar- the Mara family, um, and it's what got uh, Macadam fired, uh, was just how they Damn. handled. <laughs> Dan coming on strong. There we go. I'm on the Giants now, baby. How they handled, like, that Eli situation when they benched him, which – uh, which, I, I, you know, I didn't disagree with him ne- them necessarily benching Eli, but they benched him fucking Geno Smith, which made no sense. And the fans got pissed off. They're 
booing them. That I mean, it was, you know, it it was Giants fans were furious, and I feel like that's kind of really messed with Marum. Be like, oh shit, how can we, you know, how can we kind of nicely push Eli out the door where people aren't like rioting in in, in the parking lot? Uh, and I feel like that's kind of gotten to them mentally, and it, it you know, it, you can almost hear it in like how Gettleman speaks about Eli and his future with the franchise, and it's like shit. Like at this point, if you know Giants and Eli part ways, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Giant fans going to be like, "This is bullshit. We need Eli back on this team. We need him." Like at this point, most Giants fans are like, "Yeah, you know, he hasn't been good in two or three years. We probably should have benched him. Then we just probably shouldn't have benched him for Geno fucking Smith." Um, Yeah, you think everyone would have been a little better if they played Webb instead of Smith? Yeah, I totally do. Yeah. I think people would have been upset, but they would have been like, all right, well, you know, it's justified. The Giants haven't won in yeah. two years at this point. Eli's stats are down. Now the Giants haven't won in fucking four years, and Eli's stats are still down. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't think the benching, I think – and I, I think Mac do obviously made terrible decisions along the way on top of that, and so did Jerry Reese. So they both deserve to be fired. But I think that obviously the handling of the Eli situation was the worst. But, yeah, if they put in Webb – and said, you know what? This is our guy now. We're going to see what he could do. But you put in fucking Geno Smith. Like, why are you benching your life for Geno Smith? The guy did nothing in his career. You know what he can do. He's a career backup. It made yeah, no sense. You could, you could have sold it that we're trying to find out what we have in web yeah. you know, for the future. Yeah. Like, it's justifiable it, if you bring up, like, a younger quarterback, someone that's unproven. Yeah. Yep. Geno, that makes no uh, – I was I was furious. I mean, I was tweeting. I was writing emails to the team. I was <laughs> beyond. Mara to Mara. <laughs> I was like, you're fucking up my name, buddy. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh, but now I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. Because it sounds like that they're like, oh, you know, Eli has a lot of football left in him. And he's going to be a really great player for us going forward. You know, this is not the end. What was that? That's GM speak, though. It you is. Know, that's, that's awful. But just the way, like everybody, even Eli thought he was done at the end of last season because they could have cut him, they could have eaten this contract, and then been done with it. But yeah, they, they should have. He's, they should he's have. trying to win, so why keep the contract? Oh, I was surprised oh. Rich stayed on that long. Me too. Me too. But yeah. Uh, but to, to so does he have a no out, trade clause? It, do you think that would be like, a viable option to trade him away for the last year? They could. I mean, there was talk of like. Uh, uh, Jacksonville being interested because that's where Tom Coughlin is now. Uh-huh. And, you know, Jacksonville has a really good team, except they just have a really shitty quarterback. Are um, you talking shit about Blake Bortles? <laughs> I did. Is I he did, Blake Bortles? I, <laughs> I did trash Blake a little bit there. Uh, I, know, I know he's a big friend of the pod, oh. but um, uh, yeah. So, you know, there was that type of talk. But I don't know. Um, I, you know, I think they should have probably – Got rid of him, but uh, to close the loop on what uh, Rich mentioned just with his contract, I think, uh, you know, one of the problems with the Giants is um, they have a GM, uh, Gettleman, who obviously is an idiot, but also I don't, it's, so it's confusing as to like what their mission is. Are they trying to rebuild? And I know he's kind of trying to rebuild on the fly type of thing, but then you have Pat Shermer, the head coach, who this is his second head coaching job. His first one went horribly. I think he's a good coach, but the problem is he's trying to win now because in his mind, he probably doesn't think he's going to get a third head coaching job if this thing shits the bed. 
So he's trying to win now. Gettleman's trying to rebuild more and, and, and bring in more young players and, and, and you know, experienced vet- veterans. But Shermer's the, but Shermer, the head coach, is trying to win. So it's kind of like, I don't know, whenever those two, whenever the GM and the head coach aren't perfectly on the same page, I feel like that shit can get messy. If Gettleman's trying to rebuild the culture and bring in some young players and bring in some good, talented youth, uh, and bring in a, a rookie back, and Shermer's trying to save his job by winning every game. I never feel like that's a good combination. So um, I don't know. I, I think that could be ugly. But yeah, that's anyway. unfortunate because I wish you didn't just have to produce wins to show progress. And I mean, I yeah. think there's a lot of progression to do that will produce wins in two or three years, and you just need to sow the right seeds right now. And I don't think that's a priority. So bummer. I. I, I I agree. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, hopefully that they, hopefully Shermer has, if he proves that he has control of the locker room and they're playing the right way and they're playing hard for him, you know, if they win five games this year, it's so be it. Then give them next year. And then, you know, next year is not a must win. I don't know because there's, you know, there's so few, obviously Belichick's been in and, you know, Marvin Lewis, the Bengals was there for like 20 years. And uh, what's his face? Uh, Harbor with Baltimore has been there forever. So like there's, there's value to having good coaches in an organization uh, for a while because, you know, even, even Lewis and the Bengals have never won, but they, you know, those last five or 10 years, they were always competitive. They're always kind of right there. They just can never get over the hump. Uh, so there's value. And I think Sherman's actually a pretty good coach, but I just worry that they're not on the same page. And to me, that's so we'll see. It doesn't sound like Rich is coming on. So fuck it. Let's end nope. it. <laughs> we're down to oh. two. It is going to be last man's opinion soon, as soon as someone else gets kicked <laughs> it's off. It's literally going to be the last man. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like Survivor Podcast. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Uh, like and subscribe on all the podcast platforms that Tommy mentions every week. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Radiocast, Overcast, Forecast, Cloudy Spotify. with a Chance of Meatball, Cast, Spotify, other- Apple, <laughs> Apple. If you like... Uh, our podcast please rate us on apple Podcasts so we show up a little higher to the top uh and maybe we can get some more followers and produce some better content i know we're at like a plus content but i think we can go a plus plus content uh well dan mara is the only one left this is (laughs) rich kakel is somewhere in new york uh thanks for listening good night Tune in to next next week's episode to find out why Tommy was not here. (laughs)